0: Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, the third part of our locker room discussion from this week. That's right. Three parts this week. Everybody was really excited to talk because, of course, why wouldn't you be? The Knicks just got eliminated. There's a whole world of possibilities open this offseason. If you haven't already, listened to our first two parts that came out on Friday and Saturday. But Gavin, what do we get into in our third part today?
1: Uh, We get into a whole lot, Alex. We we talk if Tibbs needs an assistant coach that he trusts that can challenge him on maybe some of his more questionable decisions, such as starting Alfred Payton for an extended amount of time. We talk about if Frank Nilakina's is better off at this point finding a new team. We get into a fascinating hypothetical. If you just threw LeBron James, the healthy version, on this year's Knicks, just how good could they be? And finally, we answer the most important question of all, Do the Knicks need to find their point guard this offseason? And can they get that guy in either free agency or the draft? All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks.
2: You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team
0: every day.
2: And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Touch left, now fires a and he's and he's fouled, out, and he's Anthony for three. Five, that one goes down. back up, off the glass, it's
0: good. Because it's infectious. Going. Welcome in to Locked on Knicks. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play man by day and a Knicks podcaster by night. And this is Locked on Knicks, third part of our locker room discussion. As a reminder, if you if you haven't joined us yet, you can always download the app. Uh, it's on iOS or Android. We've been doing every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. We host the chat. Sometimes it goes as long as almost two hours, like today. So if you ever want to join in and be part of an episode, come join us there. But without further ado, this is the third part of our Locker Room Chat this week. And we're going to get our last request here. We got Ari Ortiz coming up. Yeah. All right. Well, Ari, I'm going to send you back down. Feel free to maybe try. Clo- if if you're on and you're trying to speak, try closing the app. And, there we uh, go.
2: I think oh, I can it hear it you
0: now. Oh, yeah. we got you. Got
2: you. What's going on, guys? Uh, first things first, you know. I want to congratulate you guys on a season well done. You know, I know this job ain't easy, podcasting on a daily basis like you guys do. So uh, props to you guys for uh, holding the fort for the season. You know.
1: Oh, uh, well, it It's easier than you may think. We're, we're mostly we're mostly just uh BSing. but uh, no. But we, we, we really we really appreciate it. I'm sure it is. I mean, like and...
2: starting out like, yeah, like at eleven o'clock <laughs>
1: at night, putting a podcast together and.
2: Editing and you know what I mean, so I'm sure you guys are doing some hard work. Trust me, uh, we we all know it, and it's you guys have gotten better with it, you know.
0: Uh, well, thank you. That's I'll even
2: say you're it. better than James Marcita. <laughs> I hope <laughs> he's not listening. <laughs>
0: that's the ultimate compliment because yeah. you know we spent our first High like in change being told that we suck compared to him. So it's, oh it's, no,
2: fuck that. That's no. the
0: ultimate compliment. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take um, it. yeah, I, I, I wanted to like uh, jump off something that you guys mentioned earlier about. Tibbs and assistant coach. I you know, I think it's you know, it'd be great if he gets an offensive guy or something like that, you know, but I think as important is he needs to get somebody that he trusts to tell him I think any in any uh walk of life, sometimes you need somebody to tell you, hey man, this doesn't work. What you're doing here doesn't make sense, you know what I mean? Or you're fucking up here, you know what I mean? And I think even or if it's like West or he has a good relationship with Worldwide West and and uh leon rose who used to be his agent somebody has to be uh, able to tell him like look you're a great coach nobody's going to tell you x's and o's wise how to run this how to run that but you know somebody should be able to tell him at some point like hey alfred payton this is killing you right now (laughs) you know and you know i know you guys were like you know pounding the table of like you know bringing in frank or bringing in uh burks into the starting lineup but but like that, at this point, like it would have been pure experimentation because you had like a month before the season ended to have tried that, you know. So it's like, I really hope he gets somebody that he trusts to tell him, "Look, man, we just got to make this small change and we'll be even better," you know.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah I, mean, I, I totally agree. Go ahead, Gav.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I was gonna say, Arya, you know, you know, we're with you, and, and I think that's where the, and I know, I know, Alex is with me on this. I think that's where the elf thing was particularly painful, because at least with, with the small ball stuff, you could, I mean, especially when Mitch was healthy, but even, even after Mitch stopped being healthy, like Nerlens and Taj were playing well enough that you, you really could have made a case that just throwing Obi in its center and, and kind of seeing how it went, especially in a season where they didn't have a lot of practice time, that could have killed them. Like, Obi looked good defensively against bench guys all year. It, it, it's kind of a question playing um, a position up, or even if you were having Randall guard centers, at the very least playing against starters, like there, there's a chance he would have really gotten exposed. And I think the Atlanta series, like where he, where the Hawks, especially in the later games of the series tilted their bench rotations, where it was basically like a lot of their starters and just Trey out of the game or, or Trey with their bench guys. Um, it it kind of convinced me that like, oh yeah, is like kind of doing fine on John mm-hmm. Collins or, or, and he's doing kind of fine on, on Gallinari, even even if he been on a couple of pump fakes or got beat back door a couple of times or, or, or like showed when he wasn't supposed to show on Trey. The point was we we had some evidence that I could hold up. but we, but we didn't know that would be the case. And I, I frankly I don't know if that would have been the case during the regular season. And and like Rick noted this, I, I've said this a couple of times. If if you messed around like that in the regular season, there's a chance you lose two more games or three more games, and you're playing Milwaukee in the or I mean even even one more game, you're playing Milwaukee in the first round. And if you're playing Milwaukee in the first round. You, you lose in four, and you don't, you don't even go into the series like having the fun of talking about. Oh, you know what? I really, I think it's a toss-up against Atlanta. You, you don't, you don't have that amazing game two win or all the excitement in game one. You're probably getting your ass kicked for for four straight games. So that's the counter argument with Elf. I mean, it, it's so like I feel again like like a, a, a broken machine, like saying it over and over again. But it, it's the truth. Like he wasn't helping you win in the regular season. He certainly wasn't going to help you win in the postseason. So that's where some experimentation would have been warranted. But Alex, I know I know you always have a lot of thoughts on this, so I'll, I'll throw it to you.
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as to, uh, and you know, I don't know how you do that, right, with Tibbs, as far as getting him a a guy that can that can really push him like that, you know, like. But we are seeing some sort of unique relationships like that in the NBA that work out pretty well. Like we saw Frank Vogel with uh, with Jason Kidd. And, you know, everybody thought that was going to just turn into uh, Jason Kidd trying to usurp him like he's yeah. tried in every single possible place that he's been <laughs> so far in his career. Yeah. Um, but it didn't. It, it wound up with, uh, with him, you know, coexisting with Vogel. And they're still doing well together. Um, you know, regardless of what happens with the Lakers in this playoffs, like they did win a championship together with that alignment. And then you have right across the river, you know, you have uh, Steve Nash with Mike D'Antoni as his lead assistant. And, you know, that that's obviously a different sort of thing. Like, I don't think there's a player out there that's in the coaching pool right now that was a big Tibbs guy previously that could step in. And but it, it would have to be a reverse arrangement in that case. It would have to be like Tibbs. It would be like if Tibbs had like Jeff Van Gundy come on to be his, you know, his lead assistant sort of thing. Hey, that'd be
2: great. Is that a bobson? <laughs> that would be
0: awesome if it was on the table. I just don't think the JVG is going to take that at
1: this point in his life. Um, I, just,
2: I mean, if that Tony's willing to take a step down in his later half of his career, why not JVG? You know what I mean? All
1: right, guys, we're going to take our first and good news for everyone listening only break and tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC-slash-MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code LOCKDOWN. BetOnline. You're online sportsbook experts.
0: Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. I just think it's because JVG just doesn't even want to coach anymore at this level. You know what I mean? I I think that he likes announcing. um, And he likes coaching to some degree. Like, he coached the the Team USA under-19 team.
2: Yes, yes.
0: And did a great job with that. And they won... Uh, like, the America's Cup or whatever a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Um, and I, I think that he enjoys doing projects like that, you know, and still being involved with coaching basketball in some degree. But I think that he's sort of, like, just like that type of guy that doesn't want to do the full grind of the NBA season anymore, particularly because, like, his his final two stops in coaching just didn't end very ceremoniously, you know what I mean? He, he got kind of, like, brutally fired in both cases like from yeah, the Knicks and yeah, the yeah, Rockets. Yeah. You know, it was like he wasn't even that bad.
2: <laughs> I thought he know so, well then he quit. He quit on the Knicks, didn't he? I could have sworn I remember like I remember where I was even where it was like it's like eighth game into the season or something he quit, didn't he? Uh, maybe
0: I'm maybe I I'm misremembered.
2: Yeah, I'm almost certain.
0: But it also could have been one of those mutual situations where they yeah. both just kind of decided like ah this isn't working out, you know. I I don't know the full details there, but I know that he he did I think he might also like technically step down from the Rockets as well, but I, I think it was sort of a forced resignation sort of deal. Yeah. Um, but either way, I mean, I, I think that he's just sort of over that life at this point and yeah, no, it, I know, mean, have, have fun.
2: I think you're uh, right. I just hope like there's like like again, like I said, I, I would prefer a coach because I'm. I just have a feeling coaches only want to hear other coaches. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I, I, and I'm almost certain like if uh, World Wide West came to him and be like. And said something, or, or Leon, he'd just be like, hey, man, you guys do your job, I'll do mine, type yeah, thing, you know? I'm sure that's exactly
0: how that goes. Yeah. But it's
2: just, the, the the elf thing is just, it's so odd, because at some point as, 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 as during that, he wasn't even, because, you know, the one of the theories is, well, this is for the agents, you know what I mean? It's for the agents, and it's like, and that never made sense to me, because, well, for one, if, like, you know, uh, if I'm Julius Randall, and my agent is doing, like, some backdoor thing where it's like, hey, man, I'll get Julius to sign a lesser contract if you play Alfred more. I'm like, all right, that guy's as good as Yeah, <laughs> You're not my agent anymore, buddy. It's like, what are you doing? Uh, second thing, but if, like, or if you're doing it to pump Alfred Payton, you're not doing that, Alfred Payton, any favors, leaving him out there, like, just th- that last month especially when he was just, like, head down, not even playing well. He's like, you're not doing him any favors. Is there any GM around the league that's like, yo, we got we to gotta get ourselves an Alfred Payton? Like, no. You know what I mean? And he's just... He was just getting murdered, too, on Twitter. And, it, you know, stuff that wasn't great. Like, you know, when, when he posted that thing with his daughter and, and Nick fans, so now, you know, certain ugly Nick fans talking smack about things and other Nick fans getting into it with his mom on Twitter. It's like, bottom line, it's like Alfred Payton wasn't being d- done any favors, being left in the lineup like that. And that would have been the time to bring in Burks or, God forbid, Frank. I mean, also, like, you know, and to, just to touch on that, like when you guys were like, hey, let's try Frank, it's like, I love Frank. I, you know, I think, but I think honestly, the best thing for him to do is not resign with the Knicks. I mean, you know, the last game he played double-digit minutes was May 11th. I checked this, you know, beforehand, and the last time he played back-to-back double-digit games was March 23rd, 25, in the home at home series against Washington. So it's like, yeah, Ari, I just want
1: to quickly throw in the last time he played double-digit minutes against the Lakers, he he was spectacular in that game. (laughs) that was part of my I and I, I kind of again I wasn't like because I, I think this year opened my eyes a little bit on Frank just because he he finally not that he was not that he was given like a consistent role, but he yeah. had his chances to like really break out offensively and he showed that his shot is definitely better but that that stat that P D threw out on our pod that he'd only gotten to the rim three times stood out to me and, and you just you saw the games where he would still just rapidly lose confidence offensively and it breaks my heart because i think yeah. that's something the knicks did to him by not by never really empowering him and like screwing up his development from day one and, and kind of yanking him around in terms of his role and and like yeah, but the point is he is he is at that place so i understood why they weren't ready to be like all right let's throw him out there for 30 minutes a game
2: the yeah only i know.
1: <laughs> i was pushing that is just like specifically with the Trey matchup i i just thought he made a lot of sense but yeah sorry
2: for yeah you. No, 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 please. It's your show. I mean, hey, interrupt the way. I I mean, it's just like, I I think, oddly enough, this was on pace to being, like, my favorite Frank season. I love Frank. I think we all have, like, a a weird love for Frank. You know what I mean? And it's like, this season was on pace to being my favorite Frank season only because I feel like he finally figured a role for himself and the team finally figured a role. It's like, all right, he's not a point guard. He's this, like, off-ball-ish wing combo that you play 15 minutes a night and he defends all every night he's defending and the rare nights where he's hitting his threes, you leave him in a little longer. The rare nights where he's not hitting his threes. Oh, well, like you look over across up, uh, up to Philly. Like, I don't know if Frank is the, I don't watch Philly basketball. Really? Uh, Sixers. I mean, it's like, I don't know if he's the defender that Matisse Tybel is probably nobody is. I don't know. But uh, it's like, why can the Sixers survive? With Matisse Teibel, like, he averaged 20 minutes a game this season, whereas Frank uh, averaged under 10. So it's like <laughs> – and I don't know. So Frank had a role with the Knicks at some point this season. And then, like like you said, he had a great game in that Lakers game. And then it was just taken away, you know. And that would have been like, you know, with Alfred Payton's playing bad, that would have been the time to be like, actually, you know what, let's bring in Burks to start, and then Frank can do this. He, Frank has a role. Ah, it was frustrating, you know. It just was.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I think it it was another thing that, that PD Webb told us at one point that it sort of opened our eyes like midseason and made us think, oh, man, you're totally right. And we never thought about that. But it, in theory, Frank was the perfect Tibbs player. But in practice, if you look back at the type of guys that Tibbs has actually played at the guard spots, he likes just dudes that have like – Tons of confidence in themselves that love to just, like, penetrate and get to the rim with abandon that, you know, are, are perfectly cool with, like, looking for their own shot and whatever. Like, literally played DJ Augustine, Nate Robinson, and uh, Aaron Brooks, like, tons of minutes in various Bulls years. Um, You know, it's just – that's just the type of dude that he likes. Uh, It played Tyus Jones a good amount in Minnesota, who admittedly is a little better on defense than those other guys. But it just seems like he doesn't really care about defense from the point guard spot so much uh, as he cares about someone that can, in theory, penetrate and score inside, which, in theory, Alfred Payton can do, but in practice, (laughs) he rarely ever did. Um, But, you know – Yeah, I think think Tibbs
2: believes more on his defensive system than his need for a quote-unquote – defensive player. I think as long as you understand the rotations and you know where to be, that's good enough for him, and he's not going to sacrifice, like, you know. Yeah, it's just like a guy like Frank wasn't his type of player, and I hope he moves on. Um, Guys, I got one last thing, and then I'm going to jump back to work. Uh, Just a hypothetical, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, (laughs) If you were to throw this year's version of LeBron onto the Knicks, you know, same roster exactly, how far do you think even this version of LeBron could take the, uh, the Knicks. And uh, the, I'm going to hang up and, and uh, answer. And okay, answer. real quick, Thanks, before, guys. before okay, you hang
0: up, does he does he get injured too, or are we assuming full health? Full health. Okay. All right. So, if we're assuming full health there, I'm going to say, uh, I mean, in the regular season, I don't know how much further he would have taken them because – I don't think LeBron would have been playing the amount of time that Randall did during the regular season, but during the postseason I think I think there's probably I'm
2: we still have Randall in this situation.
0: Oh, we still have Randall in this yeah, situation. Yeah, no, I'm saying
2: you, you you leave the roster the same. you just add LeBron. Like what, what oh, is I don't this know team? why
0: I was thinking if this is a swap of Randall. No, no, no swap, no swap. LeBron. Oh my god. I mean they're they're Easter Conference Championship contenders. <laughs> Forget about it. Yeah, I mean they, they probably win they probably are right up there with the Nets and the and the Sixers as far as the one, two, three seeds. They knock Milwaukee down to four. Milwaukee steamrolls Atlanta in the first round. Uh, <laughs> I, I've, uh man, I you're literally talking about putting like a another MVP candidate on the team. Yeah. That was having one of his best passing years this year, you know, with Randall with his three point shot the way that it was, and Randall could have then been a secondary creator. I mean, yeah, I, I think you put this year's LeBron on this team and they they win easily 50 games, and they, they're a realistic finals contender. Um, even was, against I just
2: that. thought it was funny. It was just like even I wouldn't know how far LeBron could, even at his current age and skill set, could take this Nick Teeth. So, anyways, that so that's, I just, I'm just always amazed by like LeBron. It's just like, guy's not a human.
1: So, yeah, <laughs> anyways, yes, guys, keep
2: sure. up the great work. I'm gonna head back to work. All right.
1: Yeah. Thanks go. so much. Sorry. Yeah, I, I was I was gonna say real quick. Um, I always I think I, Steph is always the version of the hypothetical issue that excites me because he's such a perfect fit. I almost feel like with LeBron, while while Randall's all of a sudden getting way more efficient shots. You're taking away a little bit of what Randall did this year with his ball dominance. I mean that being said, LeBron's LeBron's LeBron. So I'm I'm with Alex. I don't I don't think they they'd be better than the Nets, but especially if you if you also give me a healthy Mitchell Robinson, all of a sudden you kinda of have the Lakers thing where they're just bigger than every other team and like physically overpowering and while while still having a whole lot of defensive flexibility. So you give me you give me a healthy Mitch in that world and I'll say that they would uh, they'd beat everyone other than the Nets and they they probably push the Nets to their limit.
0: And R.J. too. I mean, forget about it. Like, you could have R.J. guarding the other team's point guard, which he's proven to be able to do, or, you know, have Bullock out there still. Have, like, a lineup of where LeBron is effectively your point guard and then have R.J., Bullock, Randall, Mitch. I mean, that's that's a nasty lineup. Like, I, I don't – yeah, they, they'd be they be right there with the Nets, I think, as yeah. far as being able to, to challenge them. And um, it lets you know do more quickly because yeah for sure yeah because you, oh, have sure. yeah, then you could have quickly spot up more and you know let him potentially run the offense a little bit too and toss to lebron or randall to spot up for three i mean there's endless possibilities there
1: also frank um, Bullock, lebron uh randall and mitch is like the best defensive team in nba history No, they would just oh, smother yeah. people to death
0: yeah like
1: postseason caring
0: about things lebron yeah forget about it i mean that's yeah. that's an insane lineup um, all right, we did get one more speaker request while Ari was talking, so we got Bryce Butler coming up. We're going to get Bryce up here. Bryce, what's up, man? How you doing?
3: Hey, what's going on, fellas? How you doing?
0: Good. How are you? How you feeling after the end of the season here?
3: Oh, man, you know what? I tell you what, I'm disappointed in the way they finished. Just particularly you get the four seed. You'd love to be able to beat a quote-unquote fifth seed team, but we know – the Hawks, the margin between the Hawks and the Knicks, really, really small. And they just had, they had the matchups where we were really deficient in. And, you know, a lot of, you know, styles make fights. And I think, you know, they just had the style that got us. But overall, I am over the moon over the season. I mean, 41 and 31, Randall developing into almost an all-NBA player I'm feeling pretty good about it, uh, you know, to be honest with you. And now, like Tip said, the hard work begins. I know you guys have been talking about that. Can you now build a team that can compete for a top three seed? So this kind of goes to my two points I wanted to bring up. First point, one to get your thoughts on. Um, full disclosure, I'm originally from Pittsburgh. Diehard Pittsburgh Steeler fan, you already know what it is. Um, I view successful organizations through the lens of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Great ownership. Great front office leads to hiring a great coach leads to hopefully finding that quarterback that can be the extension of you on the field. I do think there's a correlation, even though we're talking about different sports. I do think there's a correlation to that, to basketball, great organization, find that coach, the point guard needs to be the extension of you. And I actually don't think the Knicks need necessarily a point guard What the Knicks need is that point God, that G a W D the floor general guy give me a guy that can score 30 a game everyone loves that but i need a guy that can run the team score matchup hunt make all of these guys better because i think ultimately that's the guy when you look at the way the knicks are built that are gonna uh, be the most effective like look at lonzo ball for example i think you'd have to give him a longer term deal it's not about paying him to me it's just the hesitancy is he that point God? I don't know. I don't know if he's that over say, like you were talking about earlier, a Lowry type who we know he's on that level of point God. He is going to orchestrate. He's going to make the right plays and the right decisions. He's proven the Knicks. If they can't find that guy, may have to draft that guy, which is an extension of having a good organization. I think the Knicks over maybe other organizations, because they've been so bad, need to put extra special emphasis to keep finding players in the draft. Some NBA teams, as we know, they don't care about the draft. The Knicks were one of those teams. The Knicks need to be like my Steelers and draft well, because they may have to find that guy who's going to be younger, but they may have to find that guy in a draft if that guy's not readily available you know, in free agency the next one or two years. Just what are your thoughts on that in terms of not only having to find that guy in free agency, like you said, but maybe it needs to be in the draft.
0: Yeah. I mean, first off, like what you just described, and obviously he's gone by this moniker for forever, but you pretty much just described Chris Paul, right? Like the the guy that, I mean, Chris Paul only averaged what, 18 points per game this year, something like that. He could potentially go for 30 in any given night, but, by and large, he's just going to give you like eighteen points, like nine assists, fantastic defense, and he's going to get your ducks in a row, every on both ends of the floor. Yell at dudes on the court. Be the extension of the coach. I mean, I, I think he's the guy to go at. Like, if, if he's really on the table this off season, I go for him a hundred percent. Like, I'm not, I'm not hesitating. If this rumored like three year, hundred million dollar contract is what it takes. Sure. I, I I would pay it to him and I wouldn't even think about it if I'm being honest. Like I, he's not showing any signs of aging at this point. He's gotten more durable. Like apparently he's credited a, a better diet and a better like workout and stretching regimen. We sort of have seen that with Derek Rose as well. You know, just like sports medicine has gone a long way as far as, you know, these guys can do all these sort of um, uh, stretching regimens and, and targeted exercises and stuff like that to help them, you know, prolong their careers for a long time. And like, you know, it, Paul isn't necessarily like a guy that relies on anything other than just guile at this point. Anyway, his ball handling ability, his, you know, he has the strength, which is never going to go away. Cause he's built how he's built um, the defensive ability. He seems to, you know, not be losing anything laterally in his advanced years. And it, again, I just don't really see that happening anytime soon where he's just going to suddenly fall off a cliff. Um, Cause he's just not, you know, everything with him is just sort of based on smarts and instincts and that sort of thing. So that's the quickest Avenue I can see Kyle Lowry too. You, you brought him up again, same general vein. You know, I, I think that he's not quite as talented as Chris Paul and never quite has been, but you know, he provides a lot of the same things, defense, defense, um, smarts, getting the team set how they need to be set, and all that stuff, and being sort of that point god that you're talking about. As far as addressing it in the draft, like I agree that they should obviously be looking for players like that if they can. Um, you know, I think one of the guys that's come up a number of times from a lot of people that we respect, and and you know, it's come up in this chat. Literally, he's come up today already at least once. Is Sharif Cooper? Uh, maybe you look for someone like that. Maybe you look for. I mean, I expressed. Some love for Josh Giddey, uh, who's like a real tall point guard. Um, but like that sort of guy that even at 18 years old was leading a team in Australia, you know, uh, average almost almost like 12 points, eight assists per game, something like that. And like seven rebounds, something along those lines, if I'm not mistaken. So he's the sort of guy that can go out there, you know, get the ducks in a row, direct the offense, that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know if he would be ready, like, year one next year to take on that sort of mantle. But, you know, I, I maybe even next year you try to lure someone over, like, a Mike Conley or something like that, unless he re-signs with the Jazz, which I wouldn't blame him after the success they had this year if he wanted to re-sign there. Um, but maybe, you know, if you can lure over a guy like Conley, he could be that guy and and could sort of groom a guy like Giddy to take on that role in a couple years' time. Um, or maybe you even get Lowry and still go after a guy like Giddy, you know, and trade up your picks, try to consolidate, get up to like the 14 range or something like that. It, the, the big thing with those sort of guys, though, is, you know, I think that it, usually they're going with higher picks in the draft. Um, if you want to find someone like that later on, you got to have a really good scouting staff. And I do think the Knicks have a good scouting staff, at least based off what we've seen for a year. They also have a, a staff staff overall in the front office that is willing to show restraint and not feel like they just have to spend draft picks just to spend them. They're okay with kind of like kicking the can down the line a little bit like they did last year when they had um, they had the the three or sorry, the two first round picks and the one second round pick. They make the pick for Obi with the number eight. Then they, you know, they consolidated down their two picks into one to move up to 23. Then they re, unconsolidated them and, and improve both their draft slots, wind up with 25 and 33 instead of like 27 and 38 or whatever it was. Um, and then when they get to that 33rd pick, they had a couple guys in mind, not none of them were available and they said, okay, whatever. And they just said, you know, we don't have to make that pick this year. We're going to just trade this pick and kick it down the line. Um, I, I think that's important as well, you know, to not try to bite too many times, particularly now, like, This team is actually good now. You know, they're actually a team that should have playoff aspirations every year. You don't necessarily need to be rostering like three rookies and being like, all right, well, let's, you know, try all these lottery tickets out and see what works. And and that's going to mean being more more resolute in their scouting and, you know, being willing to kind of take that that one big stab instead of like three little ones and, and hoping that one of the three little ones works out. You know, maybe trying to trade even all three of their sort of prominent picks this year, the three top thirty-two picks, like thirty-two from Detroit, nineteen of their own, and twenty-one of Dallas, and trying to move up to like twelve or something. You know, maybe some team is willing to do that with them and they go after maybe like a Davion Mitchell or something like that if they feel really strongly about him. Um I, basically it's all to say, Bryce, I'm like I'm pretty much totally in agreement with you. Um, I do think that they need to approach things that way. I think that they should be aggressive in free agency this year with trying to get one of those three veteran guys if they can, if they can lure over Lowry or Paul or uh, Conley. You know, I, and I would probably put them in order Paul, Lowry, Conley as far as guys I would want to bring on. But if they can get one of them, that, that was definitely something that the team was sorely missing this year was that, other than Rose you know, later in the season, but I think ideally – you want to be able to have Rose coming off the bench because we saw how great he did in that role, Um, you know, and that could be a role that you could re-sign him to play again next year. Um, But yeah, it's a lot to consider. And, you know, it's this off season and the next couple, I think are going to be a big test for this front office to see, like, do you guys have the patience to make the right moves when it's time to make the right moves and not before that? You know, and and do you have the patience to not overpay to make things happen too early and then put yourself in like a Carmelo situation where, you know, you give up so much to get a guy like Carmelo that then you have so little to build around with him going forward. And, you know, on top of it, you already had so much money invested in Amari, who health wise just ended up not working out. Um, You know, you dump a bunch of money into Tyson Chandler. And that sort of thing, and and you know they sort of made some moves too early, even where they almost could have added Chris Paul ten years ago to the Mellow core if they hadn't, you know, done the amnesty on on Billups so early. They could have potentially amnesty Amari, and brought on CP3 stuff like that. Like this team's past, you know, the the last like good era of the Knicks was littered with so many what ifs of like, well, what if they. Did this different? What if they did that different? What if this and you know? What if they didn't spend this money here and instead saved it and were patient, you know, and were willing to not go all in all the time, you know, and just jump at the first sign of, you know, something available to them. Um, so it's it's going to be really interesting to just kind of see how they they approach everything going forward, and I hope that they weigh free agency and the draft appropriately and try to use them to the best of their value. You know, like, I think sometimes, too, there's there's something to be said for, like, for certain teams. A draft pick is more valuable as a trade chip than it is as something used to draft a player. So, like, this year, maybe the move is taking two of those draft picks and packaging them for a player that some team makes unexpectedly available around draft time. And maybe you do that and trade two of those picks and maybe one in the future... And then, you know, you're you're cashing out assets in real time that, you know, again, you, you wouldn't necessarily have room to play three rookies next year anyway. So why not use a couple of those picks and get something in return for them right then and there? Something tangible, that, you know, a player that you can use right away rather than having to groom in this endless cycle of having, like, a couple guys that are two years away all the time that can't contribute for you right this second. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it, – Again, I keep saying the word "interesting," but it is. It's it's just going to be really intriguing to see how they they tackle this this problem here. It's it's good problems, you know. They have a lot of assets, a lot of avenues to improve. Um, so I'm I'm really intrigued to see how they do it. But Gavin, do you have anything to add to that as far as that whole discussion?
1: Uh, no, I think I think you you pretty much covered it, Alex. So I, I it's it'll be an ongoing uh, debate throughout the off season, but. I, I would, ha- I would have my concerns about giving uh, Chris Paul like three years, 90 million, which seems pretty much what he wants. Maybe it's even three years, a hundred million is what he wants. Um, not, not because his value when he's healthy is, isn't up to that. And he's shown that he is an extremely abnormal um, aging curve for a guard of his size. I mean, abnormal to the point that it's essentially unprecedented um, in NBA history. Um, and, and maybe, maybe that will continue, but, At some point, he's going to fall off just enough physically that some of his craftiness becomes slightly less effective. And and this year included, we've seen him break down the playoffs like um, a bunch bunch of times now. I mean, with the hamstring in Houston, um, like his final year in the Clippers, obviously – this year with his shoulder which you can argue is a fluke injury but fluke injuries tend to happen more often to older undersized point guards and look I'm 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 a big vegan so I want to I want to credit all all the magic in the world to the vegan diet and I think he's already defied history and expectations maybe maybe with that as as a little booster and, and improve I mean we see Derek Rose doing the special stretching like obviously sports science and nutrition have made major major strides but I would, be, I would not be worried about the first year of that contract. I would be worried about the two years on the back end of that contract. And I, I think to some extent like where you're getting value there is that is potentially Dolan would be willing to go over the cap anyways. And you have, um, I, I mean, with Paul, even, even if he drops off, probably still going to have like uh, either a very solid starting point guard or one of the best backups in the league, just because of how good of a shooter he is, how smart he is and, and how quick and intelligent and, and good his hands are defensively. Like there, there's just, there's a lot of avenues from to like until maybe right up until his 40 to continue being a really good role player, but he's, he's about to turn 37 if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so you, you are going to have to approach that reality of paying a 39 year old Chris Paul. 30 plus million dollars so that, that's my only hesitancy but bryce I, I do i do agree with your original point that that that's going to be a, a big pickup for the knicks I, I think this point was was made by i can't remember who by someone last week and I, I i said that i think emmanuel quickly could eventually be that guy i i still stand by that um but i'm 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 on board with the idea that you you're going to need one or two years before that happens, and whether it's Paul Lowry, Conley, I, I'm I'm happy to see that carryover. Um, and maybe, and, and if it's not IQ, maybe it's someone like Sharif Cooper or Giddy that they're eventually replacing. But yeah, that's uh, Alex. You 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 covered uh, you covered pretty much everything. So I'll I'll shut up. And uh, Bryce, any any final thoughts and points on all?
3: Yeah. So I did have a second kind of point question I had, but to just piggyback off of what you said. This was kind of our conversation last week at the end when I brought up the draft picks. We were talking about, I said, what is it, Gidney, Giddy, or is it, I believe, Mitchell? And you guys had some great points about that. So um, yeah, it, it would be it's gonna be very interesting. Let's not also forget the guy that you guys brought up on the podcast months ago, who I love, Malcolm Brogdon. Oh, yeah. I said Malcolm Brogdon, if the Knicks can take draft picks and fleece him from the Pacers, Malcolm Brogdon is on the verge of becoming a point god. And I think he would be a, like you guys said, a perfect Nick. If Malcolm Brogdon is healthy on this team this year, they beat the Hawks in that series. He's going to give Trey Young all type of problems. Um, I think that guy would be great. Now, in terms of what you said, Alex, I love your points. Um, I'm almost, you might disagree with me on this, Alex, I'm almost to the point where, with these draft picks, if we not trading up for the point guard, I'd rather not even trade up. It's like the quarterback. You go get him if he's your guy. And whoever the Knicks would trade up and go get from that position, I'd be like, okay, we're in the big leagues now. We traded up. We got who we think our guy is, sink or swim. That's pro sports. And that's what you do when you're looking for a franchise quarterback. You go up and get your guy. If that guy's not there, I would rather not trade up for small forwards and centers like, the, the need of the Knicks is very, very clear. I think some of those other positions, particularly in this draft, there is enough talent where even with those picks, and maybe with that Detroit pick, they trade back. Those first two picks, you can get guys that could possibly contribute. Now, if Tibbs is going to be longer leash, more creative, letting young guys play, I think we can do that. If we ain't trading up for that point, God, I would rather not even trade up for some of these other things. I want that guy. And if they find that guy cool. That's fine. Um, yeah. My, my last point, and then I want a question with it. All right, I don't know how you two think about this, but so I was listening to the first take and I know you, you know, you might be punching walls now. I don't know how you feel about Stephen A. He brought up a, a point that I hadn't heard that obviously he's talking to someone and he brought this up about Randall and said, he's talked to some players that are considered star players and there's concern about Randall, you know, needing the ball, and he, look, he looks at himself as a number one, can we play with this guy? Now, I can understand as a human someone asking that, but I think the tape and Randall's play should assume anyone who thinks that he's going to be a selfish player. I mean, Randall is passing to teammates that throughout this season have not always been most reliable when it comes to offense. You know, we talk about Randall working with no space, yet still able to get his shot off. I think if I'm a superstar, I'm looking at Julius Randall like, if I get this guy helping, I come on, I'm going to get these buckets. He's going to pass me the ball. He's not a ball hog. He's not a selfish player. But Stephen A. has said he has heard that. Now, if you believe he's just not making that up, and there are some people that have said that, then I would – my thought of that is you're crazy to think that when you watch him. I'm interested to hear – your your take on it because if some of these superstar guys are willing to come, I mean, think about if the Clippers lose and Kawhi wants to come, I'm I'm just making this up. You could sign Kawhi and Lowry, because we got the cap space. I believe we do. We become Toronto South, Lowry at the point, RJ at the two, Kawhi at the three, Julius at the four, healthy Mitch at the five. That's a team that can compete for a championship. Um, but our superstars thinking like that, like, well, is this guy going to be a guy that I can play with? I didn't look at that when I saw Randall, but I'd love to get your thoughts on that kind of reporting Stephen A. did. Do you feel that that's a legitimate concern? Do you feel that's a real concern at all?
0: Yeah, I mean, I have no way of saying for sure, obviously. Um, I, I do actually, I mean, for all that Stephen A. is a talking head, he, is, he, he does know people. I mean, he was, he was a reporter for a long time. He definitely has sources like I'm not I wouldn't doubt him at all. If he's coming out saying stuff like that, like I'd be willing to bet that he probably has text conversations with various players around the league, like on the daily. You know what I mean? He's probably talking to these guys all the time, especially because now he's he's more just a personality than an actual like journalist where he doesn't have to kind of keep that impartiality anymore. Like he can just BS with these guys now and just be like, hey, what's up? You know, how you doing today? Blah, blah, blah. Like what's on your mind, you know? I, we literally just saw something like that play out with uh, like on live television with Shannon Sharp, who's like, you know, it, 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 he's, I guess, more of the the Max Kellerman to Skip Bayless uh Stephen A. Smith. But, you know, whatever. He was on national TV and just calls up Julio Jones and they're just shooting the shit talking about, you know, oh, do you want to still be on the Falcons? He's like, oh, hell no. I don't want to be there anymore. I freaking hate it there. You know, blah, blah, blah. Gave it to him <laughs> totally straight. You know, I'm sure that Stephen A has that kind of rapport with plenty of players. Like I I bring this up all the time, but whenever Stephen A's credibility comes into question, I do bring up like people don't I think respect enough like that he did break the big three story. You know, the the LeBron joining with Wade and Bosch story, like four weeks before anybody else did. Um, you know, he, he obviously has he has intel on some of the the best players in the league and you know, he definitely knows what he's talking about. So if he's saying that, I would be inclined to think that maybe that is something that some guys are thinking. And I I guess my my counter to that would just be that's why you pay Worldwide West to be on your payroll at this point. You know, he's the guy that can go to these guys and say, like, you know, what are you talking about? Like, look at the tape. Watch Julius Randle play like, you know, that's not true. You know, if if. If someone is thinking that and Stephen A. Smith knows it, I'd be willing to bet the World Wide West knows it as well, um, I guess would be my thing there. Like they're, I think they're very connected in similar circles in the NBA, um, as far as the, the generation of players that they sort of came up. Uh, in Wes's case, being a, I, I don't know, he was never an agent, like being a, a buddy to a, a connection for whatever, I don't know. And in Stephen A's case, being a journalist, you know, with, um, I think that, I think that they kind of have similar, similar circles, similar social circles, so to speak. Um, So that's, that's where he's got to do his job and where Leon Rose has to do his job and, you know, in convincing these guys and also Randall, you know, I think Randall is probably still getting used to this whole uh, star life, so to speak, Um, in the sense that this was the first year that he really broke out first all-star team he made. You know, I think there's definitely a level It's just like you deal with in real life with networking, um, you know, trying to get jobs and whatever and going on LinkedIn and all this other stuff that, you know, there, there's a certain amount of networking within the NBA, too, where you have to, you know, be buddy buddy with certain players to make stuff happen. And these guys make friendships that eventually turn into team ups like you see with um, you saw that play out with uh, with. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and you saw the play out with LeBron, Wade and Bosh, you saw it play out with you know countless other guys that have teamed up on the and made these like super teams. Uh it it started just because they just started kind of chatting and then they became friends, you know, through All-Star games and Team USA's and various other stuff and eventually it ends up in them playing together on the same team. So, you know, it's kind of on Randall to, to try to get some of those perceptions gone too and not just as a not just with his play on the court, but also texting these guys and being like, yo, if you come to my team, like, obviously I'm going to respect you and I'm going to get you the ball. Like, and and if you're looking for an on-court example of this happening this year, I mean, just look at how much as the season went on and then even in the playoffs too, how much he deferred to Derrick Rose, who's not his MVP self anymore, but still is very talented. You know, Randall didn't have any issues with, you know, kind of giving up control to him sometimes. So, um, yeah, I, I guess that's sort of a roundabout way of saying I, I believe it. Um, if Stephen A's saying it, I I maybe have more belief in him than others do. Um, but I, I think that Stephen A generally doesn't run his mouth too much about things. when he's it, He runs his mouth with his opinions, but he, he doesn't run his mouth too much. If he's saying, I'm hearing from so-and-so, I, I tend to believe him. I, I don't think that he treats that lightly as a guy that used to be you know, an old school newspaper columnist and journalist for a long time. I I think he respects the whole sourcing thing and, and, you know, needing to back up, you know, your stuff by not just reporting things, you know, out of your butt, uh, you know, and instead actually going with real sources. So I believe him. I'm not super worried about it because I think the Knicks have equipped themselves well with their front office to combat that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, it's, like I said, some of it kind of falls on Randall to dispel those notions and hopefully he's up for the task as far as being a uh, sort of an ass kisser, you know, and a, and a networker and, uh, you know, getting these other players around the league interested in playing with him and with the Knicks. But um, Gavin, sorry, I, I went really long winded there, but I had a lot to say there. Do you, do you have anything to add as far as that?
1: No, no. Again, I think uh, I think you nailed it. I, I legitimately do not have anything to add to it. But uh, Bryce, any any final notes?
3: Uh guys, love the work you're doing. If anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, Talk next um, or sports, music, anything, at Bryce B eighty eight. Um keep doing what you're doing. I look forward to listening. All right. I appreciate Thanks it so Bryce. much,
0: Bryce. All right. So we're gonna I think wrap things up here. No more speaker requests. It's been almost two hours now, so we're uh I'm a yeah, little quick, spent. Quick, quick
1: uh shout out to Dean and Ari and, and uh, Alex, did you see anyone else who's in here for the whole thing? I mean, cre- credit to you guys <laughs> for sticking
0: around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think that's it at this point. Yeah, I mean, if you were in here for the whole thing, man, props to you. This is a long-ass locker room. So thanks so much, everybody, for popping in. Um, we'll be back here same time, same place, probably for the foreseeable future. I think we'll just plan, unless Gavin or I have plans or something, we'll plan on Thursdays at 530 uh going forward for perpetuity here on locker room. So definitely come by next time. But till next time, guys, peace out. Thank you all so much for coming, yep. for for hanging out with us. Thank you all for such a great season too. Not to say that this is the end of anything, because we're just gonna keep chugging along with off season coverage. But uh thank you all so much for for interacting with us, for supporting us and everything throughout the season. We we honestly had one of our best actually no not one of we we literally had the best year and best season in the history of the podcast this year by a large amount so and you guys are all a big reason for that so thank you all so much for for the support and for listening and everything and uh yeah we'll be back same time same place next week to talk about more off-season stuff so it'll be about 5,000 off-season rumors between now and then so till then peace out guys we'll talk to you all soon